This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to provide medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Guests on this podcast express their own opinions and conclusions. Please talk to your healthcare team regarding your specific situation. Welcome to Speak Gyno. I'm your host, Nee Gutenfelder. On our podcast today is Janae Talaferro. I had the honor of interviewing Janae at her home while she was in hospice. She has since passed away on March 16, 2019. Janae was a huge advocate for ovarian cancer awareness, and I am forever grateful for her gift of sharing her story and allowing it to continue. Her journey is one of insight, courage, and unwavering strength. Hi, Janae. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here and record your story. If you could tell us a little bit about yourself and if you don't mind sharing your story. Sure. My name is Janae Talaferro. I um, was diagnosed with uh, ovarian cancer in July of 2014, and it had penetrated throughout my abdomen and I was at stage 3C. So when they did the debulking surgery, they removed, they did a full hysterectomy and it had spread to my spleen and to my gallbladder. And so both of those were removed. It had also spread to my liver, but it had not penetrated my liver. So they were able to just scrape it. And so that was, I guess, my first encounter with ovarian cancer. I went undiagnosed for almost two years. Wow. Thinking that it was maybe some gastrointestinal issues. I went to, um, uh, let's see, they tested my thyroid, my kidneys, my liver, my, seems like something else, but everything came back as normal. Mm -hmm. And so I began to Feel like maybe it was gastrointestinal and I went to see my gastro doc who did a CT scan and they did uh, all, more tests, uh, mm -hmm. stool sample and blood tests and all sorts of things and it was on the CT scan that the ovarian cancer showed up. Okay. So my doctor called me the evening that I had had the CT scan done to inform me that um, I needed to come in and that there was something on the scan and he said to come in two days later and we would and I should bring a family member mm -hmm. and so I knew that wasn't good and um, this is the GI doctor yes okay yeah and so I went I went in to see him and he said that the disease was, con well, the CAT scan showed that it was consistent with metastatic disease. And I knew that that meant that it had spread. Right. And he said it was probably the ovary or the colon. Mm -hmm. And so it turned out to be the ovary. And when they re they removed all of, all of those things I said, along with um, my omentum and an eight pound tumor had embedded into the omentum. Gosh. So that's... That's quite large. Yeah, it was. It was large. Yeah. And I had a lot of 
I had a lot of fluid in my abdomen. That's how I knew something was very, very wrong. Mm -hmm. I would lay on my side at night and I would feel fluid rushing mm -hmm. into my abdomen. I could hear it rushing and I knew that something wasn't right. And my stomach was very bloated. Mm -hmm. And so once, uh, you know, once I found out what that was, it, it all started, you know, making sense. How soon after the diagnosis did you, you know, start treatment referred to a gynecologic oncologist? They referred me to a gynecologic oncologist right away. And so I went the following week to see a gynecologic oncologist. Mm -hmm. They wanted to put me off for two weeks. And I said, no, I... I want it out. Whatever this right. is, I want it Can't out. Can't wait. Yeah. So they sent me to a gynecologic oncologist right away, and she saw me and was able to. Uh, she she said she didn't like how much pain I was in, and mm -hmm. she put me in the hospital that night. And we did the debulking surgery the next morning. Wow. Yeah. She moved very quickly. <laughs> yes, she did. She's an excellent doctor, and I am very very grateful for her. Mm -hmm. Glad God led us to her because she knew what she was doing and she took immediate care of me. Once you started treatment, were you in remission at all or has it been ongoing treatment for the last several years? Um, sort of. I, I started treatment in September of 2014 mm -hmm. and um, started chemo treatment and I started out doing interperitoneal treatment which is where you, um, I had a, I had a, both a chest port and an abdominal port. Okay. And they inject you with the chemo in your abdomen, and then you turn every 15 minutes mm -hmm. to Get mix it, to, it up and yeah. wash it around, <laughs> I guess. And so, uh, so I did that for three months. Mm -hmm. And after three months, they said that, I was, well, my, my tumor markers were back down to uh, in the normal range. Okay. So I was very pleased with that. We were, they never did go as far to say as that it was no evidence of disease or remission, mm -hmm. but I was in normal range for nine months. Okay. So I didn't, I didn't have any evidence of abnormality for nine months. Okay. And then after nine months, um, my tumor markers started rising again. So that was the main key in detecting, kind of tracking the progress. Yes. Yes. Okay. The CA125. Mm -hmm. The CA125. Once that started to rise, which was September of 2015, then I have I have not been off chemo since. September of 2015. What type of chemo drugs have you been on? Oh, wow. There's so many. I've forgotten some of them, but um, I've been on everything from, I started out on cisplatin, Taxol, Taxotere, Doxel, Carboplatin, Avastin. Sounds like a little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit of, a little bit of everything. So would they try one or a few of them and then it didn't work? So then they switch it up to something else. Yes, a lot of a lot of mixing the cocktail, mm -hmm. uh, trying trying this. Okay, that didn't work. Well, let's try it with with this drug. So we would we would try a lot of different things to see, you know, what would what would work and what was the magic mix. Mm -hmm. 
and I went to MD Anderson to see if I was eligible for any of their trials. I was not. Mm-hmm. I did not qualify for any of their trials. So just mainly just consulted with them at MD Anderson. But, like a second opinion? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, like a second opinion, but didn't really get any treatment there. Have you been able to work throughout your treatment? How has your, you know, energy, how have you been doing overall? Yeah, I was able to work up until, um, let's see, up until 2016. Mm-hmm. Until the middle of 2016, I was able to work. And then it was kind of, I, I could have worked longer beyond that, but my company did some downsizing and it was just, it just seemed like the right time to mm-hmm. to come out of that corporate environment, which holds a lot of stress. Right, and which isn't needed. You don't need I, that I extra stress. I didn't stress. need that. I didn't need that stress. And so I came out of the corporate environment and actually started my own company mm-hmm. doing executive coaching. That uh, that enabled me to have a more uh, flexible schedule mm-hmm. and allowed me to, to own my own schedule. Right. So that I could have more control of my of my time and my right. stress. More and, flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. And doing what I wanted to do. Right. So it was it was much better fit for me. Well I'm glad that you've been able to do that. Yeah. That makes a huge difference. It made a it made a drastic difference, yes. What would you say has been the most challenging aspect of your journey? I would say that piece has been the most challenging of just trying to maintain a sense of normalcy mm-hmm. in the you know, while you have a chronic disease and at the same time trying to find the balance of, you know, what's what's normal right and how do i you know how do i live out that balance uh in the midst of chronic disease but it was it was challenging but at the same time it was i wouldn't have had it any other way right i i wanted that i didn't just want to you know sit in the bed or you know just mope no need in that so it was challenging but it was a good challenge i remember on some of my down days that's what i look forward to like i just want to be normal i just want to be able to go for a walk or go to the grocery store just do normal everyday things was huge absolutely would you say that there is a silver lining in all of this and everything that you've been through oh yes without a doubt there's a silver lining we made a decision early on when i was diagnosed that we would focus on positive Mm -hmm. and on the joy so we spent a lot of time our our focus changed from i guess just an example is we um whether it be christmas gifts or or birthday gifts or or whatever it was always just kind of more obligatory Mm -hmm. you know it's so-and-so's birthday, let's go get a gift card, and such as that. And our focus shifted from making those special moments meaningful. Right. And so we would have, we started focusing on experiences. Right. So instead of just, you know, oh, it's your birthday, here's a birthday card, Mm -hmm. we would focus on what do you want to do for your birthday? How can we make the most of this time and make the most of these moments creating memories yes and create yeah creating the memories and so we've been fortunate to do a lot of things like we went to new york city for my daughter's birthday mm-hmm. we recently just went well we didn't we didn't do the whole skydiving thing but we did the <laughs> for my birthday we did the indoor skydiving okay yeah because yeah, I, I didn't have the guts to do to jump out of a plane but you know just making those moments with my family 
and making sure that we had memories that that will last and time together that was meaningful and and we said we're just going to infuse joy into our situation and uh-huh. so I left it up yeah yeah definitely that just a different a different outlook and a positive mindset can really carry you through the very challenging times because being negative and mm-hmm. Debbie Downer like that doesn't accomplish anything it really doesn't not at all I think it's so critical to have that you know to, to make that choice and it is a choice because just as easily make the other choice to to just sit around and mope and right and be sad and all of that that we we did not want that we wanted to make the choice to pursue joy mm-hmm. and to build meaning into our lives right and to make the most of every situation I I mean I think that's a huge lesson a key takeaway for all of us to to make that decision you know deliberate decision yes even though it's not always the easy right if you're feeling really crummy it's not always easy to do that it's not but but it makes a difference Mm -hmm. and I I tell people that I wish it's it's just such a leap because I don't know how I would have gotten there without the experience of cancer Mm -hmm. but I tell people that I really, really wish that you could know and have the benefit of making those moments count right. without cancer because it's it sure made a difference in, in our lives. Right. Of how we make those moments count. and Because you, know, you see it from a, a different lens. Yeah, you do. You see it from a, a very different lens. And it's, it's so unfortunate that it takes cancer or some you know something catastrophic for us to, to see it. Mm-hmm. And to realize that we we have so much to live for, and that we are so blessed, and to, I, I just wish that wasn't the case that it, that it didn't take you know that right. for us to come to this. But it sure has made a difference for me. Definitely hear you and where you're coming from, because just instantly your life changes. Mm-hmm. You don't know when that's going to happen. So yeah, just every every birthday celebration making each of those moments count right right so lastly Janae what would you like others to remember about you as an individual oh that's a tough one well you know my daughter asked me early on in my diagnosis we had you know a ton of support lots Mm -hmm. of Lots of family and friends coming to support us and, you know, a lot of people talking about how, you know, you're such a fighter and and all of those kinds of things. And Mm -hmm. she said that she wanted people to know that it didn't take cancer to make me a fighter, that Mm -hmm. I was already a fighter. Yeah. And I was already all of those things before cancer knocked on my door. Right. And and that's true. I already had a lot of I call it independence, others call it stubbornness. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I already had a lot of that before cancer came to town. And I, and that's what I want people to remember is, is that it wasn't just that cancer came and then I had to get tough and fight, mm-hmm. but that it was already there. It's always because, been in you. Yeah, it's always been there. And God, God gave me that strength and he continued to give me strength through the cancer journey. Mm-hmm. And his his strength is what has has gotten me through these times mm-hmm. and and other times there have been other tough spots in my life as well right. and he's gotten me through those times too so I guess that's what I'd say is just that that it didn't just it didn't just show up with cancer that it was already there right 
Well, you are definitely a fighter, Janae. You continue to be, and just uh, sorry. It's okay. No, you're. I know that you're an inspiration to me and so many other people. And um, I know that your your time and energy is precious, so I really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. To talk with me. Absolutely. I'm so honored to be a part of your work, and, and I hope and pray that it will benefit others. I know it will. And um, anything we can do to, to get the word out and make sure others are aware of, you know, of what the symptoms are and how they can recognize those symptoms and merit a conversation with their doctor mm -hmm. um, to, you know, to say, hey, something's not right and to speak up for your body and nobody knows it better than you do. Yeah, so, you've got to be your own advocate for right. sure. That's right. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much again. Janae, and we'll go ahead and end it here. Okay. Thanks, me.